Good morning. I guess if you're watching this, we are probably not at church today. There's a blizzard going on outside, so I appreciate you taking a few moments to spend uh, hearing uh, God's Word as we look through the book of Acts again. Um, it's been a couple of weeks since we've done that, or been in the book of Acts because of uh, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, which were marvelous. I mean, last week with all the crowds of people here, with the yummy food we got to eat, it was, it was a beautiful service, a beautiful day. But we're back in the book of Acts, and since we, it's been a couple weeks since we've been there, I'd like to recap just a little bit. Uh, we are joining Paul on his second missionary journey. Paul was recently in a town of Berea where he commended the people uh, of being more noble character because they checked out daily to see if what Paul was saying was really true. Well, from that point on, uh, people were trying to get rid of him, so Paul was sitting down to Athens while Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. So Paul was down in Athens, and we saw uh, two weeks ago that he was talking to them and trying to explain to them who the unknown God was that he was really worshiping. Well, now, Paul's heading to a new place. It says in chapter 18, verse 1, Paul's heading down to the, to the city of Corinth. So that's where we're going to be picking up today. Uh, but before we do this, pray. Let's just ask God's blessing on this, this message. Father God in heaven, we just praise you for being our God. We praise you for the moisture you're giving us. We pray for safety for those who are out in it trying to clear our roads. And we pray that you would just bless the, the land. We pray to bless the cows with um, the ability to survive all this, the ranchers to, to be able to stay healthy in this as well. God, this is your time. This is your word. I just pray that all the distractions that we have and all the fears and concerns that we have would be able to set those aside to hear from you. And I pray that you give me your words to say in Jesus' name. So in today's culture, I don't know if it's an American thing, or if it's an adult thing, or just a generational thing, but in, in today's culture, uh, people like to do it all on their own. They like to get the whole project from start to finish on their own. Relying on people is not something that's something people get excited about doing, right? You're sitting there, what do you think? Do you like people helping you, or would you rather do it on your own? You know, I'm in a profession uh, where I really can't rely on myself. I mean, God really doesn't want me to rely on myself. He wants me to rely on Him to do the work that He's called me to do. But there's a number of people who get involved in order to help me complete the ministry that I'm going to do. I really can't be self-sufficient in my line of work. And, I, and most people try to be self-sufficient how they do it, I don't know. But in my line of work, it's very, very difficult. Paul finds himself today in an unfamiliar place, and he he's, needs a little help. And he gets help from uh, people, and he gets help from God himself. And so those are going to be the two points we're going to quickly look at today. Uh, so first of all, uh, Paul's source of help was, was friends. And this, this, this category of friends falls into two categories. People that are, uh, that are new faces, that he just gets into Corinth, he gets into town, he meets, and they befriend him. And then he's going to come in, across some friends who he already knows who have joined him from the past. So, first of all, Paul's source of help, uh, new faces. Uh, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Nice guy, huh? Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogues, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So Paul gets to a new place. You know, uh, Silas and Timothy, who were, were left in Berea when Paul went to Athens, 
And then when Paul went from Athens to Corinth, they're still up there in Macedonia area. And so Paul's coming to a new place. He's all by himself. He's getting farther and farther away from people that he knows. And he comes across a couple of people, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, and he joins up with them. Now, they don't support Paul in order to give him help. They're like, we're going to financially support you so that you can work. Uh, but they were tent makers. They worked alongside of Paul. Really, all they did was befriend Paul. A new place, new surroundings, no, no friends. And they said, hey, you can join us in the work that we are doing. Then we find, we find that Paul joined them as a tent maker. Now, I'm sure the tents that those, the people that uh, Paul and Priscilla and Kula made did not look like this. I don't know what they looked like. They're probably uh, not as basic as this. No, they're probably more sturdy, more long-lasting tents. But it says that Paul was a tent maker. This is what he did in order to support himself in ministry. And I think that's a good idea. You know, it was... One source that I looked at said the Jewish law directed that young theological students be taught a trade. You know, Paul wasn't just one of those guys who went to Bible school and then he went to a church and they said, hey, support me, help me. He was a guy who had to support himself. He had to do his own work in order to continue working. And it says here that he, he worked during the week and then on the Sabbath day is when he tried to persuade people about Jesus. So he had to do that. He was already prepared from a young man as, as training, uh, and this was part of life, in order to support himself to continue working. Another source said that it was good for the rabbi to always remember what life was like for the working man. You know, the guy who's got to work with the cattle, the guy who's got to break his back to get the crops, and the guy who's got to worry about the weather. You know, that sort of thing. What was it really like out of the real world, right? So Paul was accustomed to that because he was a tent maker. And he was able to fall back on the source of income throughout his much of his ministry. There's, there's many verses in the Bible that talk about how Paul was a tent maker. How he didn't rely on other people to support him. He took care of himself. Um, so Paul was a guy who was, who was willing to, uh, to do whatever it took to do the ministry that God called him to do. But he had, some, he had some new faces in order to work with, in order to complete his ministry. But Paul also had some familiar faces to work with, in order to support himself, uh, to do his ministry. He says in verse 5, When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. You know, Paul was, he was breaking his back, he's making these tents, he's making ends meet, in order to have the opportunity to share the gospel. And apparently when Silas and Timothy came up, uh, or came over to, to, to see Paul in Corinth, he was like, okay, I'm finding to met. I think Silas and Timothy were out there doing all the, the daily life, we're giving you a place to stay, we're providing food for you to eat, so that you can do this full-time ministry. So Paul is accepting help from his friends in order to continue to do the work that God has called him to do. Paul, and, and it says in verse 11 that Paul was there in Corinth for a year and a half. That's a lot of help from Silas and Timothy. That, I mean, or at least a big chunk of that time when they were there uh, supporting Paul. Now, Paul was a guy who was willing to do the work himself in order to proclaim the name of Jesus. But he was also humble enough to accept help from other people. You know, because when you're trying to do, when you're trying to provide food and clothing and shelter, and then you're trying to do full-time ministry, it's really a difficult thing. You know, for a single guy, it's much easier because he can work all day and preach all night and study all night. 
But if you have a family, that's a lot harder in order to do that. So, but Paul was willing and humble enough to accept the help from other people who joined him on his missionary journey in order for him to be able to preach the God continuously. Now, I'm one of those guys who accepts help. I need help in my ministry. Now, I'm not Paul. I'm not trying to compare myself to Paul. I'm not out there starting churches and traveling from place to place. Uh, but I'm here in Plumdom, and I am supported in my ministry. And what, is, what does that look like? Well, from familiar faces, I get, I get paid. Like, I, I come here, and I get paid. I get paid well, in my opinion, with the house and the income. You guys do a good job of making sure my financial needs are met. I don't need to go out and get another job. You know, days like this, where it's out there stormy and blizzardy, I'm really glad I don't have to. You know, I'm always bringing up the bus, right? <laughs> it makes me laugh. Like, I, I go out and I drive the bus to be at home to the school, but I don't need the money. I don't do it for that because I am financially supported. And it's been that way since day one. You know, when we came here in November 2016, uh, you know, we were welcomed in while there at Christmas time. We got a church bonus. And it was about Florida, how much money we got for church bonus. We'd only been here for two months. Because and, and you guys have been generous all along so that every need we've had has been met. And I want to say thank you. Because I have one less concern on my mind because that is taken care of. We financially support us. We get supported in ministry. Now, typically, when we have church, you guys know the deacon of the week comes up and, and they, they say an opening prayer and they read the scripture reading and they'll give the announcements time. Now, that might just seem like just a little thing. But to me, that's a huge thing. I love those guys for getting up there. Uh, Anita comes up and does the moments for missions. And, and I don't, that's a big deal because it's, it's supporting me. It is helping me in ministry. I don't have to do this all on my own. But there's far more that makes this church function than just me. If I can do the Bible study and do every part of the water and do every Sunday school and every everything that there was to do at a church, that would bring me pretty quickly. You know, I'm, I'm teaching Sunday school right now, but I love it. I, I pretty much ask to do it because I want to. But if I had to do everything, it would drain me. So I have support ministry. And I want to. You know, there's lots of people, and I've, I've gotten Sean, hey, help me with games. I've had Jason help me with games, alleviate some of that. I don't have to do it all. Uh, so you, you support me in ministry by helping me in ministry. And you guys support each other in ministry. You have the decorating committee, which I, have, I don't decorate. We have trustees. We have deacons. Right? We have people who are going in and doing ministry because we are a church family. It's not a one-man show. This is all of us combined in order to make this happen. I get support uh, in projects. You know, that's a picture of a snowblower. Well, this last couple of weeks, I've been working on a snowblower. And I, I am not mechanical, not, not remotely mechanical. Steve Mosey came over and helped get the church uh, snowblower started. And he was here two weeks in, or, or a couple days in the last couple of weeks. Ordering parts and making put it on, and he's teaching me how to do this. But I, I had no clue. I was out there shoveling. You know, the last blizzard that we have is all I can do is shovel until the plows or the, the tractor came by. But that doesn't really take care of the sidewalks necessarily. And so it took a lot of muscle. But I needed help, and then I was actually able to help somebody else with the snowboard because Steve helped me. So thank you, Steve. I'm, it's snowing right now. I'm expecting to use this tomorrow. Uh, snowboard, but I get help 
with projects. We can look at the parsonage and the help that Lauren and, and Gary help with. You know, there's just a number of things that people have done to support me in ministry. Another way people support me is in prayer. You know, I know Ida is a prayer warrior. You know, Jerry, people are always praying for me to do a better job, to have, to have words to say, be effective. So I get prayer support. I even, uh, Saturday before uh, Easter, I got support in prayer tonight. I was very thankful for. I did not expect a Bud Boost. He, I, as I was practicing my message and you know fixing it, I always change things and swap things out after I practice. And he sent me a text, and this is what I, it said. This was like he prayed for me that just it blessed me. I told him I'm going to hang on to this because it means that much to me. He says, "Oh God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Lord Almighty, the one who raised Jesus, our Messiah from the dead." Anoint my brother Josh tomorrow as he proclaims the good news to all who hear. Draw the hearts of those in need to you to yourself. Encourage Josh to call upon his life in the days and months ahead. Bless him greatly for your glory. Amen. Totally unexpected. I mean, Bud and I, we have conversations. We text every week or every couple of weeks. Uh, but a prayer like this out of blue totally blessed me. And I told him I was going to use this. Uh, because it, it just meant that much to me. But I gain, I get support. I get encouraged by, by you, by your prayers, by the finances, by the support ministry, by the projects. This is not all about me doing everything. This is a group, and I accept help, and I need help. <clears throat> from, from familiar places, from unfamiliar places. Uh, source of help number two for Paul. Because first it was people, it was new faces, Priscilla and Aquila, then it was the old faces, it was Silas and Timothy, uh, and now it's going to be source of help number two, which is the best source of all, is Jesus himself. It says, uh, we'll be looking at verses 6 through 17 as the second source of help. So this shows up, first of all, in God's word. Uh, this is what we see in scripture right here. Verses 9 and 10 says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. I'm with you. And no one is going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in the city. That must have sounded like music to Paul's ear. Because he was a guy who's been stoned. He's been threatened. He's been pushed out of town. He's been jeered at. He's been mocked. You know, and even in this city, he's getting picked on. It says in verse 6, when he, the Jews opposed him and became so abusive that he got to the point where he shook off his clothes and protested and said, Fine, your blood's going to be on your own head. Uh, I'm, I'm clear of my responsibilities. From now on, I'm going to go talk to the Gentiles. You don't want this, Jesus? Fine. It's your life, your choice. You, you make it whatever you want. But that's the kind of experiences Paul was going through. And then he hears that I'm going to be with you. No one's going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in the city. And here's the situation, because it does come up, uh, a pretty major situation comes up where Paul could get hammered. He can get into a lot of trouble if he's got to go through uh, this situation. It says in chapter 18, verses 12 to 13, when Galileo was proconsul, so kind of like a, a Roman governor, uh, anyway, so he was, he was proconsul of a KI, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man in charge is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. So Paul, you know, he's a guy who is 
been trying to share Jesus with everywhere, with everywhere he goes, um, and he's only leading a little bit of success. I mean, if we look back in verse 7, uh, it says, you know, after Paul said, shook the, the dust off his clothes and said, your blood's going to be on your own head, he says, Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus, Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians uh, were baptized. And believed and were baptized. So Paul is in, and he's in the synagogue, he's trying to persuade these guys, he's like, look, you, these are, this Jesus is our Messiah, the one that you were looking for. Guys, he's actually come. He's actually died on the cross and rose again, as we see multiple times already in the book of Acts. He says, okay, you guys don't want this, I'm going next door. And I'll go to this guy, King Titus, and it says, he, he, he talked in Crispus, the synagogue ruler. I don't know if it's a synagogue ruler of that synagogue or a different one, but it says he and his whole family believed. And many of the other Corinthian people put their faith in Jesus and had salvation. And, and Paul was there for a year and a half sharing this message about Jesus. But because he was doing that, people are, are saying we want more than just what the synagogue is telling us. They're not following what they're not following just God, they're following Jesus, who is God, but they're confused on Jesus being the Messiah. And they're getting upset about this. And so they haul Paul before this Roman judge, before this Roman governor, to take care of this. Well, what do, what do we see right there that God said he was going to protect Paul? Here's the opportunity to prove it. And so God does. It says, uh, verse 14, Just as Paul was about to speak, Galileo said to the Jews, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since this involves questions about your words and names of your own law, settle them out for yourselves. I'm not going to be judge of such things. So he had to reject it from the court. Then they turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Galileo showed no concern whatsoever. And so they hauled Paul before this guy, and it says, just as Paul was about to speak, he didn't even have to open up his mouth and defend himself before God came to the rescue. Pretty special source of help, right? He's expecting, okay, God's going to help me through this. I'm going to have to defend myself, and he's going to work in this. Just as he's about to speak, God shuts the door. There is no dealing with this. The, the governor says, wait a second, I'm not even going to entertain this, this trial. We're not even going through all this because this is really nothing to do with us. This is something to do with your laws, your customs, your beliefs. You guys deal with this. God protected him. The, pro, the council who could have easily punished Paul or made Paul leave the country or whatever, God stood in the way and made sure that Paul was able to be uh, continue to stay in that city sharing the gospel. Now it didn't turn out so well for Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, because all those Jews who came to the court mad at Paul took all their frustration out on Sosthenes and beat him. Proconsul didn't even care. He just sat there and watched. You know, I'll put my money on I'll put my money on the crowd, right? This Sosthenes guy's not that tough. He's not gonna but he didn't protect him. He protected Paul though. Why? Because of this promise that God makes in this verse. I'm going to be with you, and no one is going to attack you and harm you. Now, honestly, that didn't mean life was going to be easy for Paul. He still had his trials in that city, 
But he was still a guy who trusted God, and God was his source of help to get through that time. Now, if you want to read, you know, some interesting reading. Uh, you know, Paul, he's he's going to the city of Corinth. Well, later on, there's two books that, or two letters that Paul writes to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Paul's whole goal was to share Jesus when he got there, but later on he's dealing with some much deeper topics that would make for an interesting sermon series. But it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, this is how Paul addressed what his concern was when he went to the Corinthian churches, or to these people. It says, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come to you with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came in weakness and in fear and was trembling, probably because of all the persecution he's faced and where he knows that on his own he can't do this. Verse 4 says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Paul was caring about these people. He was all in with these people and preaching the message about Jesus. But he didn't do it on his own. He had help from people to uh, as a tent-making team. He had help from friends who were able to support him so that he could get out there and do this ministry. But most, mostly, he had support from God. He had help from God in order even to preach the message that it wasn't his wise and persuasive words. It was God who was working in the lives of people. And that's what we need. That's what I need. You know that prayer that Bud prayed for me? That he was praying that uh, he was praying that that God would draw the hearts of those in need to himself. Through himself. Right through the preaching that he had me do. It was through God that that was accomplished. And that's what Paul wanted. That's what I need. I need your support. I need you to pray for me. Yes, I need your support in ministry. I need your support with projects. I am not mechanically inclined. I need support financially, which you do very well, and I don't need any more than I'm getting. But I need your support in prayer. Because I am nothing. I cannot do this on my own. God wants to help me, and He wants to use you in order to help me. I need help from God. Uh, there's, there's times in my life where God has come through, and I didn't even realize it. You know, you think about this past week. For me, I don't know what your week looked like, but for me, it was a catamount this week. I mean, it all started on Tuesday. Uh, Leslie had the flu. It was that whole hour, kill you, <laughs> kick your backside flu. And so I stayed home to take care of her. But God like, hey, Josh, you got to have shows to the grindstone. And I worked until 7.30 that night on this message. And I got way farther than I normally did. Well, you know, uh, Leslie's always telling me, Josh, when you work ahead, that just means you're going to do more work. Whenever you get ahead, you're not really ahead. You're just going to fit something else in there. Well, that's what happened. On Wednesday, I, I did three extra things that I normally than what I normally do uh, because uh, Eric had funeral prep because Nick was sick. I was like, but God, God knew. He prepared me on Tuesday so that Wednesday I could like fill in. On uh, Thursday, I didn't know why I was going to practice in all day to see Becky in the hospital. And then Friday, I was caught up half the time doing things that I wasn't expected to do. And then, you know, so God went ahead of me, prepared me, got it in my brain. Hey, you gotta stay focused. You gotta work till seven thirty tonight on Tuesday because you're going to need extra time for other things. 
So God was working in me to get that done. That's not me. That's God doing that. Uh, I think about our, our vacation a number of years ago. We, we went on vacation and we got to end up getting a new car. And you guys have heard the story. It's going on our way to South Dakota with some friends. Well, I'm 43. Uh, I've been going on vacations most of my life. And not one time in my whole life did we ever go on vacation with another family. Not one time. Except for that one year when our car was going to die uh, on like 4th of July overpass coming from Idaho into Montana. Well, you know what? Without, without those friends, it would have been tough to get from point A to point B. Uh, we ended up having to buy a car, and I've already made it. I'm not mechanical, so don't call me if your car's got problems, because I, I can't help you. I can drive you places. But my friend Tyson, he was mechanical. He was able to ask all those questions when we were test driving this vehicle. They got us there, uh, and then they, they were able to uh, answer, ask all those questions that I wasn't the one to ask. And why? Because God went before me, and he prepared a way uh, for me to have help, and I didn't even know. I didn't ask for it. I wasn't expecting it. But God says, here, Josh, you are going to need this. He gave it to me last week to get work done early. He gave it to me on vacation. God was working and giving me help when I wasn't even ready for it. I didn't even ever know it was coming. But God's word also promises help. You know, Hebrews 13, 5, God says, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Whatever you're going through right now, if you're physically sick, if you have stress in your life, if you're, I don't know, this, this, whatever's going on in the blizzard is just causing you an ulcer, you know, God's going to be with you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. He's going to be with you through thick and thin. That's a promise. Now, whatever you're going through, Philippians 4 13 says, I can do everything through you. Gives me strength. I can make it through the, the week that was from hell. It all was way harder than I expected. I can make it through that stress. I can make it through that difficult situation in life because God is going to give me strength. It may not be easy. It may not turn out the way I want, but God is going to get me through it. Other verses, you know, if you're lacking wisdom, no, James 1 5, if you're like, listen, ask God for it. It says in Proverbs 3 5 and 6, trust the Lord with your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding of what you think is what you have or how you're going to make this work, but acknowledge Him that He's going to make your path straight. He's going to lead you right where you want to go. You can take that to faith. You can have confidence that God's word, what He says, is going to happen to you. Now, I have to throw out a disclaimer. I have no idea how this went to look. I don't know what wisdom God's going to give you. I don't know what path He's going to take you on. I don't know how He's going to help you know moving forward what to do. But I know that God promises in His Word to do that. And I know that God does things that are unexpected that you do, that you don't know what's going to happen. Like my week. Like our vacation. Because God is there to help you. So I want to ask you, what do you need help in life you know, is it, uh, I'm here to help you, know, there in a number of ways. You know, I, I'm looking at my hands right now, and I have pretty soft hands. It's almost embarrassing how how soft my hands are. Because these are not mainly work hands. There's no blisters, there's no rough spots there. They're pretty soft and tender. But these hands can work. You know, when I was in Bible school, I was out to work at a real job. And I was taking care of my family. And I was, I, was, I, I grew up working on Bucking bales. You know, I'm not much of a tractor driver, but I, I worked on, I grew up 
doing those kinds of things. If you need help on a branch, I'm here to help however I can. If you have a problem that you want to discuss, if you have a prayer request that you want prayed for, I'm here to do that. But I'm not the only person here. You know, there's, there's, there's a church family here that they can pray for you. Don't feel like you've got to figure this out on your own. Don't feel like you've got to struggle through this on your own. Don't feel like you've got to do it on your own. Are you willing to accept a little help from people? Are you willing to go to God for help? You know, God, I, I need wisdom for what to do moving forward. I need help to understand this math. I need help to know what to do with my cows. I need help. Are you willing to go to God? Are you willing to go to His Word and say, what does it say about this temptation? How do I avoid this temptation? How do I deal with this struggle? How do I answer somebody who's asking me this faith? Are you willing to go to God's Word for help? You know, Jesus came to give you help. You know, I, and I'm changing gears just slightly here. Jesus came to give you help for salvation. Have you, have, you, have you tried going to Jesus for help for salvation? Are you trying to get out there on your own? You can't get to heaven right now. We need help. I need help. All the good things that I've done, being up here preaching, giving money to the missionaries, you know, shoveling snow for somebody who doesn't expect it, those are nice things. But I need help to get to heaven. And you need help to get to heaven. Are you willing to go to Jesus asking for help so that you can have eternal life? I want to encourage you, if you need help to get to heaven, uh, you have not already accepted God's help for salvation. Go to Him for help. If you need help on a ranch, call me up. These baby kids can rub up in a hurry. I still got some muscle. If you need help with prayer requests, you need help understanding something, don't do it alone. We are the body of Christ. Involve us. We want to help you. Involve God. He wants to help you as well. Father God in heaven, you are good. Uh, you are beyond good for what we deserve. God, I, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and you chose to give me eternal life. Uh, and you chose to help me to get to heaven if I'll just trust you for salvation and I, I just thank you that I have that. God, I know we're going through life and it's easy to, to not want to bother people. It's easy to want to do it on our own. Or, or I just pray that God would be willing to accept the help. I, I know I need help in ministry. I need help financially if I'm going to be able to continue doing this ministry. I need help with projects such as the snowblower, I need help to do Awana, and even up here on Sundays, I need help, and uh, just pray that we can be a body of Christ who stands together, who encourages each other, who helps each other moving forward. God, I need your help to be a better pastor, I need your help to be a better dad, a better listener, a better uh, teacher of your word, and I just pray that you would help me uh, as much as you would in helping to be able and available to help others as they need help as well. I just pray to God for, for those of us who are at home that you would keep us safe. You would give us a good week. Bring us back uh, together next Sunday to worship you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. 